0: a new series on a generous life. So will you join me in prayer as we welcome up Pastor Jamie. Lord, just thank you. Thank you for um, this church. Thank you for everything that you've done for us, everything that you continue to do, and we're just so grateful that we get to um, have this opportunity to get to know you more. So just thank you again for Jamie as well um, for preparing this message for today's sermon, and we're excited for what he has to share with us and what you have to share with us through him. Pray this in your name. Amen. Amen. What's up, church? Love Wisconsin, don't you? It's cold, it's hot, it's cold, it's hot. You don't know what you're going to get. It's great. Um, uh, I, I love that song that we sing. Uh, and sometimes, like the songs that we sing remind us of who we are and what God is up to. So, so just singing that song, uh, that come awaken your people, come awaken your church. Like there is a hope for the city. That, God, you are working. That, God, you are bringing revival. That, God, you are transforming lives. And I don't know about you, but I needed to remember that this morning. We aren't just here to worship, to hear some music, to hear a sermon. We're not here just to go to church so we feel better. We're not like God is up to way more in this world. A couple people agree. That's awesome. That's a good start. I'll take it. But this is what we hope for as we follow Jesus, that he is working, that he is moving in your lives, in my life, and through our lives into the city, into the world, that God would bring revival, that God would change hearts, that God would take impossible situations and turn them for his good. I don't know, I get excited about being part of that. So, I'm thankful for our worship team and the way they remind us of who God is. Amen? Amen. We're going to be talking about generosity for the next couple of weeks. And we have a sermon series uh, called uh, The Generous Life. you put that graphic up there for that sermon series? Shelly texted us and said, who made that graphic? That graphic is one of the most beautiful things I've ever seen. I did not create it. I got it for free somewhere. So that's where we're headed for this sermon series, A Generous Life. And I just want you to know when we talk about money, when we talk about giving, when we talk about a generous life, there is a goal and there is a direction there. And the goal and the direction is this, your heart's. Your heart's aligned with Jesus. In a life of discipleship, when we talk about money, we talk about discipleship. Because often, when scripture talks about money, it talks about discipleship. Jesus has this saying, he said in uh, the Sermon on the Mount, where your treasure is, that's where your heart is. And there's this constant theme throughout the entirety of scripture. Old Testament, New Testament, all of it says the same thing. That when our treasure is aligned with something that's created here on earth, we make it an idol. We make it the ultimate. We make it the goal. It's easy for us. We're wired for us to put our trust and our hope in things that are created rather than putting our hope and trust in the creator himself. And when we put our hope and trust in the created, the problem is that that never fulfills. It just leaves us wanting more. So when we talk about money, I want to make talking about money in Jesus and the church a normal part of our discipleship language. Why? Who has money? Raise your hand. Raise your hand. Look around the room. Everybody has money. I don't care if it's a nickel in your pocket Or if you have a huge bank account, money is the thing that we all have in common in this life. Agreed? Money is a thing that either we don't have enough of, and we're trying to figure out how to make ends meet. We're trying to figure out how to get more of it. Or money is a thing maybe for the rare person that they have way too much of, and they don't know what to do with it. Come talk to me if that's you. Money is a consistent thing in life that we all, our life focuses around that. And I think that's why as a church, I wanna make this a normal part of conversation. How is our relationship with money? Because how our relationship is with money, with generosity, according to scripture, has a direct effect to how our relationship is with Jesus. So, a question how's your relationship with money? How's your relationship with the idea of generosity? In this series, we're going to be talking about, just full disclosure, just to let you know where we're headed over the next couple weeks and months. Over the next couple weeks and months, we're going to be doing something called a 90-day challenge. And this is going to be a 90-day giving challenge. You're going to hear about this more next week, more than next week, uh, and over the next couple months. Uh, we're going to be sharing stories and all that stuff. But, but this, I think, our church right now, one of the greatest places that we could grow in as a church is in our discipleship and our generosity. Now, this isn't a judgment call. This isn't saying, like, we're not... This isn't a judgment call. This is, as a pastor, saying this is one of the areas that we collectively can grow as a church. And if we never talk about it, we won't grow in it. If we don't raise up the issue, make money a normative conversation in discipleship in Jesus, then we keep it, this thing kind of off to the side, and we don't... Grow in how our discipleship is and our relationship is with money. And I think this is one of those places that we as a church can really grow in our mission, in our vision around this. So today I want to talk about the idea of stewardship. With the idea keep first and foremost in your mind, this is about discipleship. It's about Jesus being Lord of your life in control of every aspect of your life. So turn with me to Matthew chapter 25. Matthew chapter 25, uh, there's a few parables in a row. Does anybody know what a parable is? It's a story that Jesus tells for a point or for multiple points. And so first and foremost, before we get into this, I'm going to talk about and focus in on an aspect of this parable. I believe this parable has two different points that are connected. And so I believe that one of the points of this parable is about stewardship. We'll get into that a little bit later. The other point of this parable is one of warning and judgment for the people of Jesus' day, specifically for the religious rulers of the day. If you put this parable in context, I, I want to do that because a lot of times we pastors just rip something out of context and don't really give it its true, fuller meaning. So, this parable is written, uh, Jesus tells this parable later in the book of Matthew, chapter 25, right before chapter 26, which is a plot to kill Jesus and uh, have him crucified. So, This is one of the last stories, series of stories that Jesus tells. He is talking about the end times. If you look earlier in chapter 24, he's talking about the end times, and he's talking about judgment. And he's basically saying, look, you leaders, you leaders of the temple, you religious leaders were given something, and you squandered it. You missed it. Remember, we talked like the end of Jonah in going into Easter, this concept and this pleading of don't miss it. Jesus is in your midst. Don't miss him. Well, Jesus is coming and saying, hey, you guys missed it. You guys turned this into something that wasn't supposed to be. And now, as I'm coming to the end of my life, I'm talking about end times and judgment. I am judging you for how you stewarded the resources. And so that's the backdrop of this parable that Jesus tells, this story that Jesus tells. The the title of the story is the parable of the bags of gold. We'll kind of connect these two ideas later. Jesus is telling this parable. And in verse 14, in 25 verse 14, it says again, It will be like a man going on a journey. The kingdom of God will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. Entrusted his money to them. Whose money was it? The master's. God's money. God is the master in this story, in case you haven't figured that out. It's the master's money he goes to three people and entrusts his money, his resources, his wealth to them as he goes away for a while. To bring this into context, God entrusted the temple, the message, to Israel, and they kind of messed that up along the way. So this is a story about this and also about stewardship. About what it means to live a life that displays who God is. And so we'll get back to the story. Again, uh, it will be like the man who goes on a journey, calls his servants, entrusts, entrusts his wealth to them. To the one he gave five bags of gold, to another two bags, and another one bag according to his ability. Then he went on his journey. So first we got to stop. Some of you might be thinking, hold up, that's not fair. Like, why did he give one guy five bags? Why two bags? Why one bag? Why didn't he just go, everybody gets five bags? And I think immediately when we ask that question, we start to focus on the wrong things in this parable. Why didn't God give them all the same number of bags of gold? It's not fair. How come my situation isn't like their situation? How come I can't get the job that they got? How come I don't make as much money as they make? How come I don't have the nice things that they have? How come my life doesn't look like this? You see the trap we start to fall into when we ask that question immediately is we fall into this trap of comparison. Have you heard the quote, comparison is the thief of joy? See, here's the point of this part of the story. None of them deserved any of the bags. It wasn't theirs. They didn't earn it. None of them deserved any of the bags. The master came and said, here, take care of this while I'm gone. See, we can either focus on what we don't have Or we can focus on the grace of Jesus and be thankful for what we do have. When we compare our lives to others, we are focusing on what we don't have. And there's the first challenge here. Don't look at the bags of gold that somebody else has. Look at the bags of gold that God has given you through his grace and mercy. Be content and happy and joyous and grateful with your life. Because when we do that, we live into the grace that God has given us, that God bestows on us, that God lavishes on us. Are you looking at someone else's life? It's easier than ever these days, right? But it robs us of living into the grace and the place and the gifts and the passions and all the things that God gives us. Now, he divvied up the bags of gold, gave some five to him, uh, two to him, one to him. And he says, and then he went on his journey. The man who had received five bags of gold went at once and put his money to work and gained five bags more. So also, the one with two bags of gold gained two more. And the man who had received one bag went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid. His master's money. There's this idea through this story called stewardship. Do you know the definition of stewardship? The definition of stewardship is to, where is it here, to take care of something, to supervise or take care of something. Whose money was it? The master's. The master entrusted these servants to take care of what he gave them. Stewardship. They don't own it. They're just stewards of it. To handle it responsibly. To take care of it. For when the master returns... This is where they get in trouble with the whole temple in the judgment piece. You didn't steward what God gave you properly. But this idea of stewardship, it's all throughout Scripture that we are supervising and taking care of something. And here's the thing I want to hone in on today. Today matters. As we're called to steward what God gives us, today matters matters instead of looking at God's uh, instead of looking to the future and looking and saying someday today matters what they did in the story as a result of the master entrusting them with the money mattered today matters it's easy to get in the mindset of someday I'm going to do this differently, right? Someday I'm going to be a better friend when I have the time and the energy to do so. Well, what's stopping you from being a better friend today? What's stopping you from making the phone call, sending the text, making time, going out for coffee, going out for lunch, forgiving, confessing, What's stopping you from being a better friend today? I'm gonna to be a better employee when I get the better job. Right now, I just got this part time job and it's not really that important. I don't really think it has significance. I'm gonna be a better employee when I get the better job. Stewardship says today matters. And I'm going to start stewarding what I've been given today. What's the problem with the attitude of, I'm going to do this someday? I'm going to save someday. I'm going to be generous someday. What you do today determines how you live tomorrow. We know this, right? Anybody gained some weight over COVID that you weren't, you know, don't raise your hand. You don't need to confess that. Anybody not particularly happy with the way that you look? Yeah. How'd that happen? <laughs> how, how did that happen? How did that happen? How did you gain that 20 pounds over the last two years of COVID? Stress, yeah. But you didn't just wake up one day and go, whoa, 20 pounds just attached itself to my body. I don't know where it came from. No, what you do today matters because what you do today will be what you become tomorrow. So 20 pounds of extra weight during COVID is because of what you ate, of how you moved your body, It's the result of daily decisions that added up over the course of years. This is so true in so much of our life. What you do daily determines what you will be tomorrow. So today matters in terms of stewardship. I was talking to... uh, Someone a, a little while ago, a young man, and we were talking about finances. We were talking about kind of their whole life plan, their whole life story. And uh, we started talking about giving. And I said, hey, like they didn't go to our church. They went to another church. And, and I said, hey, what, what is your relationship to giving going to be like? And this young man, he's, he's young, he's successful. He's got big goals on his horizon that he's looking at. And so his comment was, well, I have a lot of college debt and I have a lot of goals financially. Like I have this house, I want to buy these toys, I want to invest this much, I want to have this goal by the time that it's time to retire. I want to retire early, I want to do all these things. A lot of goals. And so with giving, we aren't going to give right now. I'm going to wait until I get to maybe 50 I've paid off all the debt. I've bought all the things. We're set up for retirement. We are set in terms of everything that we want in life. And then I'm going to have a ton of money to just give away. And I said, really? You think that's going to work? Yeah. Yep, that's going to work. And later in my life, I'm going to be generous. And I'm going to give it all away. I said, Okay. Uh, I said, here's a question. Is your heart going to be in the condition after you've spent your entire life building up a life for yourself to give away and be generous? Are you even going to be in the spot after you've, you've done all the things, you've bought all, you've put yourself first, you've built a life that you've wanted for yourself, you think at 55, all of a sudden you're going to go, oh, God, it's all yours. I'm giving it all away. Maybe. But you've spent your entire life training your heart and your mind that you come first. And that what you've made is yours. And kind of fooled yourself that someday you're going to become generous. What you do today determines what you will become tomorrow. Is your heart in the condition to be generous. And I'm talking about real generosity, right? Not like, oh, somebody needed five bucks, so I gave them five bucks, I'm generous. These are the things we do because we, it makes us feel like we're generous. But I would argue that we need to build generosity into our daily life, into our weekly life, into our monthly life. We need to build generosity into our budgets, how we spend money. Because again, our treasure is tied to where our heart is. And we are stewards of everything that we have. Look at the next verses. In 19. After a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. The man who had received five bags of gold brought the other five. Master! Master! You entrusted me with five bags of gold, and as you see, I've gained five more. He's got to be feeling real great about himself, doesn't he? Like, Look, you gave me this. I'm bringing back double what you gave me. Isn't that amazing? And the master replies, Well done, good and faithful servant. Oh, I missed something. I missed something. Master, he said, Go back to verse 20. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five bags of gold. What is the key phrase there? You entrusted. The first thing that the first two servants do is say, God, this was all yours to begin with. You entrusted it to me. You are, That's all Yours, I took care of it. Look at what happened because of my taking care of this. He acknowledges that god it's God's money. God gave him the money. So my question, is it your job that you have? Is it your house, your apartment, Is it your marriage? Is it your, are they your kids that you gotta protect and nurture and make sure everything goes perfect for them? Is it your car? Is it your neighborhood? Is it your family? Is it your bank account? Is it the breath that you're breathing? We get in this place, we're like, this is mine. I own it. I earned it. I got that job. I earned that paycheck, which you did. Good job. But who gave it to you in the first place? Who gave you the abilities? Who gave you the resources? Who puts the air in your lungs? God. The first servant goes, I'm acknowledging that you are God, and you gave me this. It's all yours. Glory to you, God. And here's an account for what I did with what you gave me. He acknowledges. What does the third guy do? The master's response to the first two is the same. Which is an interesting statement, right? The master didn't favor the guy who doubled, who who brought in five bags, over the guy who brought in two bags, right? I gave you this much, you brought it back, you did something with it. Well done, well done. Now, I will put you in charge of many things. So, well done. There's no, like, this guy did it better because he brought back more. There's these two guys brought back, were entrusted with what I gave them, and they stewarded it well. Well done. Because of that, I'm going to put you in charge of more. What was the third guy's response? The third guy's response, uh, the man who had received one bag in verse 24 Master, he said, I knew that you were a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid and went out and hid your gold in the ground. So here's what you gave me. Here's what belongs to you. There's so many questions around this because the very first question I have is what is your view of God? Because this third guy's view of God, what was his predominant reason for hiding what God gave him? He was afraid. I'm afraid of you. I'm afraid you're gonna do something. Like, like, I don't trust you. I'm afraid of you. And so he goes and digs what God gave him and put it in the ground not to be used. He is not a steward Of those resources. So it's really interesting to compare the servants. And how they responded to the servant. And throughout the story. God has harsh judgment. For the one. That squandered the resources. That dug the hole and hid them. What's your view of God and money? This is a deep and profound question. It's so simple. Is God the master that gives freely out of his grace and mercy? Or is God this judge sitting up in heaven somewhere on a throne Looking down at you, going, You didn't do this right. You didn't spend that right. You didn't give enough there. Like how we view God drastically changes our relationship with Him and our relationship with the things, the graces that He gives us. The third servant was afraid. And the third servant finds judgment. What's the master's response to the first two guys? Well done. Now I'm going to put you in charge of more things. The third servant assumed that God was mean. And God was the crotchety old man up in heaven that's gonna judge him. The first two assumed good things about the master. And they weren't afraid. They took the grace that the master gave and they responsibly used it in this world and brought back to the master. They understood that it wasn't theirs in the first place. It was their job to steward the resources the master gave them. Now, I want to talk about this because there's a, a statement here that I want us to think about. God is not limited by our small thinking. Once you go to the next slide, God is not limited by our small thinking, He's limited by our small obedience. Who's faithful in the story? The first two servants, right? They are faithful. They demonstrate their trust and faith in the master. The third servant demonstrated his lack of trust in the master. And his actions proved it. God is not limited by our small thinking. He's limited by our small obedience. See, be faithful in the small things in life. Now, here's the place that I think pastors usually go with this verse, right? Be faithful with the small things, and then God's going to give you more. Now, I think that's kind of a mistake in how to read this parable, because I don't think life always goes up and to the right. Do you get that? Like a graph, you're always getting better and things are always getting more and more and more. So I don't think like you're faithful in this job means you're just gonna keep jumping the ladder and get an amazing job for the rest of your life. I don't necessarily think it means you're faithful with what God stewards you. you. You don't overspend. You don't go crazy in a debt. You are faithful. Everything is God's. You are humble. You live a quiet life. I don't think it means that your bank account is guaranteed to grow exponentially throughout the course of your life. It might. But I don't think that's the guarantee here. I think this is a principle that we all know, right? Think of, if you have kids, think of your kids. Or if you have employees, or anything in life that you give something to somebody. What happens when they don't treat it well? Do you give them more? No. Like you're, you have your kid, you give your kid something and they treat it great. They're responsible with it. They do what they're supposed to do. Then you give them more responsibility as they demonstrate and their actions prove that they can handle it. You give a new iPhone to your kid and they break it the next day and you just go, I just wasted $1,000 on this. No, there's grace and mercy there. But are you going to give them another brand new iPhone? Maybe. (laughs) Probably not. This is a principle that we all know in life. But I don't know that it's the absolute point of this story. That as you're faithful, as you're responsible, as you're obedient with the small things, that God's just going to instantly upgrade you forever in life. I'm not sure that's how life works. I'm not sure that's how the gospel works. I'm not even sure that's how, what scripture communicates. What is the point? I think there's a truth here that as you steward the resources well, God will entrust you to more. That may look very different in your life. But I wonder if the goal is this. Come and share in your master's happiness. He says that twice. See what if the goal of being a steward is first to acknowledge that it's God's. Give God glory. Give God praise. Live as low you are taking care of what somebody else entrusted to you. Live like it's God's, be thankful, use it, bless others with it. Use it for your own well being, but share in your master's happiness. So when God calls us to be stewards, God calls us and invites us into a relationship with Him, into dependence on Him. So my dependence isn't on the bank account; it's on God. I'm not building a life for some for some future glorious home in Florida. I'm building a life that God calls me to build. Live like it's God's. Be thankful. Use it. Bless others with it. And share your master's happiness. See, God is inviting us into a relationship, into dependence, into trusting him, into seeing him work in this world. See, when we are stewards of what God gave us, It brings us into relationship with him where we give and we receive in multiple different ways. And more importantly, we get to partner with God in witnessing the kingdom of God that's coming down here on earth. I wonder if that's not the goal. So God, it's yours. I'm going to be faithful. I'm going to be obedient. I'm thankful for what you've given. I'm thankful for what you've entrusted to us. I'm thankful that we get to be stewards. And as we are stewards, we get to partner with you in this life in a way that increases our relationship with you. Our dependence on you. And our trust in you. As we worship the creator with our whole entire life. couple questions for us. How are you doing in your stewardship? Like, how are you really doing? Do you acknowledge that what you have is from God? Because that's the start. That determines what you do with what God has entrusted you. And that's the first step. It's easy to fall into. It's mine. I earned it. It's mine. I get to spend, how, spend it however I want. I get to buy all the toys. Like I, and, and we get this. It's all throughout Scripture that then we use what God has entrusted us to try to build a life for ourselves and put hope and trust in things that are created rather than the Creator. How are you doing in your stewardship? In this idea that you are supervising, you've been entrusted, and we are to be faithful and obedient with what God gives. And then here's the other question is, do you trust Jesus? And do your actions back it up? Jesus, I can't give today. Bank account isn't big enough. I can't, I can't. I've got goals. I've got things I need to do. There's bills I need to spend that I can't spend it on. I can't be generous. Do you trust Jesus? Are you putting yourself in relationship with him? To where you give, receive. You trust, you watch Jesus show up. You watch Jesus provide. You watch what Jesus does with what you do give. And your actions back it up. I want you to sit with those two questions. And in your life, in all that God has entrusted to you, goes way beyond money. In all that God has entrusted to you, are you stewarding it well? And do your actions back up the fact that you trust Jesus and he is your Lord? Let's pray. Jesus, we praise you. And Jesus, we we want to be followers that are in relationship with you. We want to be followers that acknowledge all that you have given in this world, in our lives. And Jesus, we want our lives to be a reflection of of our trust and hope in you. We want our lives to demonstrate that we are your followers. And that we get to partner with you in witnessing the kingdom of God here on earth. In your name we pray. Amen. Let's stand.